Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. I'd also like to say thank you to Jennifer Allen who donated to the podcasts. I truly do appreciate it. Don't forget I have two other podcasts out there, Pucks and Cups and From John to Justin. Both of those podcasts are reaching the end of their run, but I have two new podcasts coming. In May, I have Canada's Great War, where I look at the entire history of the First World War in Canada, from beginning to end. And I also have Coast to Coast, which looks at the building of the Transcontinental Railway, and that will be coming in June. He was one of the most important Indigenous leaders of the last half of the 17th century, and it was through him that the first major treaty between Canadians and the Indigenous would be signed, the Great Peace of Montreal. His name was Condiaronk, and while he was not as well known as other Indigenous leaders today, his role in our history cannot be understated. Born sometime around 1649, Condiaronk was the chief of the Huron people, with their land being located between Lake Huron and Lake Michigan after an Iroquois attack around the time of Condiaronk's birth pushed them into a new region. As Condiaronk grew up, he became known as a brilliant speaker and an excellent strategist when it came to war. He would eventually be baptized as a Catholic, but for some time his suspicion of the French would remain. The first major role in diplomacy for Condiaronk came in 1682 when he represented the Mackinac Huron tribe in negotiations with French governor Frontenac and the Ottawa tribe that shared a village with Condiaronk's people. Condiaronk looked to the French for protection from the Iroquois after an Iroquois chief had died while being held prisoner in the village of the Huron and the Ottawa. To appease for the death, the Hurons sent wampum belts but did not send any Ottawa wampum belts the Ottawa also stated that the Huron placed the blame for the death on them. Condiaronk stated that he was only placating the Iroquois with the belts, but the Ottawa were unhappy with this, and the French could do little to appease them. Even with those tensions though, the French did offer protection to Condiaronk and his people from the Iroquois and their military advances. For Condiaronk, the security of his people was the most important thing to him. To that end, he saw the best way to ensure the survival of the Huron people was for the French and Iroquois to be at war with each other. If the French were attacking the Iroquois, his people would be safe from the Iroquois and their preservation would be assured. In 1687, Condiaronk and the Hurons allied with the French and Governor Denonville on the condition that the French would continue to attack the Iroquois until they were defeated. One year later, Condiaronk formed a war party and traveled to Fort Frontenac, located where Kingston is today. From there, he planned to raid Iroquois villages, but he soon found out that Denonville was trying to make peace with the Iroquois, even though he had told the Huron he would not. Condiaronk chose to withdraw his party across Lake Ontario and wait for the Iroquois delegation to pass on their way to Montreal. When they did, Condiaronk and his war party attacked. One chief was killed and the rest of the Iroquois were taken captive. When the Iroquois said that they were on a peaceful delegation, Condiaronk stated that he was shocked and then angry at the betrayal of Denonville 
making it seem like Denonville had orchestrated the attack without telling Condierronk about the peace. He would say, quote, Go, my brothers. I release you and send you back to your people, despite the fact we are at war with you. It is the governor of the French who made me commit this act, which is so treacherous that I shall never forgive myself for it if your five nations do not take their righteous vengeance. End quote. He then presented the Iroquois with guns, powder, and balls, and the Iroquois said that if the Hurons wanted a separate peace with them, they could have it. Condierronk took one Iroquois captive as replacement for a Huron warrior killed in the attack. He then took the prisoner to the French commandant at Michelin Mackinac, and the commandant ordered him killed, not knowing that his government was trying to negotiate a peace with the Iroquois. An Iroquois slave was ordered to watch the execution, and then Condierronk told him to travel to the Iroquois and tell them what happened. Due to his skillful manipulation of events and the various nations, the French began to call him Le Rat. And as a result of his ruse at Fort Frontenac, 1,200 Iroquois fell upon Montreal in August of 1689, destroying a substantial portion of the settlement. Thanks to Condierronk manipulating the events, the peace between the French and the Iroquois fell apart, which for Condierronk meant that his people's survival would be assured. It was because of Condierronk that in Frontenac's war, fought between the French and the English from 1689 to 1697, the Iroquois were also fighting against the French. It was not that Condierronk was against peace, but he knew that peace between the French and the Iroquois would mean both would soon go against the Huron. For that decade of warfare between the French and the Iroquois, Condierronk would often have a hand behind the scenes. The French knew this, but he was worth more alive than dead to them. To prove this, in September of 1689, Condierronk went down to Montreal and back without incident, stating that the French lacked the boldness to hang him. When another Huron chief, Le Baron, wanted to side with the Iroquois to attack the Miamis, Condierronk warned Le Baron about it, then attacked the Iroquois in a two-hour canoe battle that left 55 Iroquois dead, and by doing this, he prevented a Huron-Iroquois alliance and also established his control over his people. When Frontenac's war ended in 1697, and with the Iroquois no longer able to use the English military threat to their advantage, they would sign a treaty in September 1700 to make peace. It was at this point that Condierronk shifted tactics and he would encourage many indigenous nations around the Great Lakes to go to Montreal the following year and sign a huge peace treaty between all the nations. He would tell the Iroquois to listen to Louis-Hector de Calier, the new governor, saying, quote, Let it not be in forced or insincere way that you ask him for peace. For my part, I return to him the hatchet he had given to me and laid at his feet. Who will be so bold as to pick it up? End quote. This would culminate with the Great Peace of Montreal of 1701, of which Condierronk was a vital participant and could be called an architect of the peace. From that peace negotiation, over 1,200 indigenous, more residents than Montreal had at the time, came to the city to negotiate. Indigenous from as far away as the Maritimes were on hand, and it would mark the end of the Beaver Wars, which had plagued the area for the past century. I did an episode on the Great Peace of Montreal just a little while ago, and I encourage you to check it out as that episode goes much deeper looking at how it all came about. In a long speech during the treaty proceedings, 
Kondiaronk showed everyone that there were advantages to having this piece. Kondiaronk spoke while seriously ill and had to be given a chair to speak. And after drinking some maiden fair fur and syrup, he would begin to speak. The event is described as such, quote, He sat down first on a folding stool, then a large and comfortable armchair was brought for him so that he could speak with greater ease. He was given some wine to strengthen him, but he asked for a herbal drink and it was realized that he wanted syrup of the maiden hair fern, end quote. He spent two hours condemning the Iroquois, while also speaking of his success in recovering prisoners, averting conflict, and in peaceful negotiations. In his speech, he would say, quote, We have found many of our brothers dead along the river. Word had spread that the sickness was great in Montreal. All these corpses eaten away by the birds, which we found at every moment were sufficiently proof of it. But we made a bridge of all these bodies on which we marched firmly, end quote. Kondiaronk also spoke on the exchange of prisoners, which for him was an essential part of the treaty, and he would state, quote, You absolutely insist that we bring you all the Iroquois slaves among us. We have obeyed you. Let us see at the same time if the Iroquois obey you, and how many of our nephews they have brought back. If they have done so, it is a mark of their sincerity. If they have not done it, they are treacherous. I know, however, that they haven't brought a single one. End quote. Bacqueville de la Pothier would say, quote, We could not help but be touched by the eloquence with which he expressed himself and could not fail to recognize at the same time that he was a man of worth. End quote. After Condiaronk retired to his hut following his speech, he would later die at 2 a.m. on August 2nd, 1701, mere days before the signing of the treaty he helped make successful. When his death was announced, many of the Iroquois covered his body in a ritual called covering the dead. Sixty men then led a procession that sat around his body, and one man sang and paced for fifteen minutes in honor of Condiaronk. A second speaker then came up, wiped the tears from the mourners, and gave them a sweet medicine. He then produced a belt and urged the warriors to emerge from darkness to the light of peace. Pothier would state, quote, If he had been born a Frenchman, he was the kind to govern the most difficult affairs of a flourishing state. He had the sentiments of a beautiful soul and was savage in name only. End quote. The funeral for Condiaronk was highly elaborate with the French and indigenous all taking part. Marching in front of the coffin was a French officer, 60 soldiers, 16 Huron warriors and French clergy. Six war leaders carried his coffin, which was covered in flowers, followed by the relatives of Condiaronk and the Huron and Ottawa chiefs. A salute was fired at Condiaronk's grave, and he was buried beneath an inscription that said, quote, Here lies the muskrat, chief of the Hurons. End quote. It is not known where this burial place is today, as it has lost a time, but it's believed to be in the old Montreal Quarter. Once the Great Peace was signed, it marked 60 years of peace for the region, until New France was conquered by England in 1760. For the French, they would put Condiaronk up as an example of what a chief could aspire to be, and they compared him to other French leaders. His figure would loom large for the next century with France, and when the Ottawa chief, Penahual, was speaking with General Moncombe in 1757, he was compared to Condiaronk and, quote, celebrated for his spirit, his wisdom, end quote. 
Today, the Condiaronk Belvedere in Mount Royal Park in Montreal is named for him, and in 2001 he was named a person of national historic significance. The plaque that honors Condiaronk in Montreal states, quote, Condiaronk, Grand Chief of the Wyandotte of the Michilimackinac, playing a determining role in the negotiations of the Great Peace due to both his influence with the other First Nation chiefs and the respect that he had among the French. His speech on August 2, 1701, was a decisive factor in sealing the peace. End quote. I hope you enjoyed that look at Condiaronk, and if you did, please leave a rating and review. If you like, you can reach me through email at craig at canadaehx.com. You can also visit my website where you'll find hundreds of articles on Canada's history as well as all my podcast episodes. Just go to canadaehx.com. And don't forget you can support the podcast through Patreon. There are multiple tiers to choose from, all with great benefits. You can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just like all of these wonderful patrons have, and I apologize if I mispronounce any names. Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Randall McCallum, Diane Wade, Lorianne Kirby, Gary Dolovich, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Rawa, Luke Guess, JP Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. If you want, you can find me on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com slash CanadianHistoryX. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D. And you can find me on Instagram. Just go to Bairdo37. Information comes from Canadian Encyclopedia, Parks Canada, Wikipedia, Biography, Handbook of Indians of Canada, Radio Canada, CBC, and the Canadian Museum of History. Thanks. We'll see you again next time.